Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on international business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Good morning, good afternoon, uh, or good evening, of course. Welcome to the Culture Matters podcast. We are on episode number 20, and I'm very excited with the um, with our two guests we have today. And it's a bit different than the other Culture Matters podcast. This is not so much business-related, although maybe on the side it is. Our guests for today are Josh and Aaron Bender from TravelWithBender.com. They've been traveling with their two children since May 2012. It's an open-ended, unplanned, round-the-world trip discovering amazing places for families. They've stayed in host hostels and five-star luxury resorts, traveled on scooters and cruise liners, danced with leprechauns and cuddled tigers. Whoa, nothing is out of bounds or out of reach for this remarkable Australian family. They're currently in London as we're um, uh, making this, uh, this recording, this interview. And you can hear their kids on the background as well. And they're planning a road trip. So in the background, you can hear some uh, some some zippers going left and right from probably the bags they're uh, they're they're packing. Listen to the interview, and you'll be uh, amazed what this um, uh, this couple with their two kids have done already. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Good morning, guys. On the other side of the uh, tiny pond, you're in London, right? Yes, yes, that's right. All right. Good morning, Josh. Josh. Good morning, um, Aaron. Uh, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Where do you come from? Where are you now? We know you're in London. Uh, why are you in London? And uh, a little bit maybe about your cultural frame of reference, if you can. Sure thing. Uh, we're both from Australia. Um, we've lived in Perth on the West Coast uh, most of our lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've just been traveling the last two and a half years. Um, we're currently in um London for just finishing a conference, a World Travel Market, the biggest travel uh, travel expo in the world, and uh, we're just about to head out now for uh, a road trip, literally today. Literally so, today. Yeah, we're going around Wales. Yes, we leave today for Wales. And okay, yeah. I believe you forgot to mention that we travel with two other individuals. Oh, yes. Of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they were two and three when we left Australia, and now they're four and five. All right, and and the, the so you're you're you've left home, quote unquote. That was that's Perth, Australia, and you're traveling the world with your kids. So it's the four of you. And the thing that that hit me first is why do you do this? It's <laughs> a very good question. I'm not quite sure. Of course we are. Have, have we covered the question, the answer then already? Uh, no, not yet. Um, well, we love traveling. We love going on holidays, as everyone does. And uh, one day in, I think it was 2011, I said to Erin, uh, why don't we just keep on going if we like it so much? Uh, it's taken so long to go back to Perth. That cost a fair bit. So yeah. um, with my work, I could do that online. I could just I just needed the internet and, and a laptop and uh and so I think I managed to convince her somehow. And uh, <laughs> I thought I was pretty crazy at the time. I didn't really uh, do a lot of research or find out if other people were doing it. So I thought I was the only person in the world doing it. Yeah. And fortunately, as we've gone along, I realized I'm, I'm not the only crazy one. And uh, and the more we do it, the easier it gets and the more people we meet. So it's uh, yeah, it's kind of refreshing to know we're not so crazy. So I guess you could say in some parts it was the remoteness of Perth, Australia that um, made us want to do it because mm-hmm. it was just so expensive always returning so far away from everything yeah. but um, the love of 
you know, travel and our family bonding that's been happening while we've been doing it and the cultural immersion we've got from every place has kept us going. Okay. All right. Well, this is a, a podcast about cultural differences um, as well. It's um, just a couple of questions because I've looked at your website. Uh, I'd like to touch on that as well. And and you you mentioned there, how do you get to stay in five-star hotels? That's where you stay. You're staying in five-star hotels, but not uh, always. Or, or is that just always? Are you sponsored? Uh, sometimes. Uh, some hotels we are sponsored. We, uh, we're not always in five-star hotels. No, we, we have done hostels. <laughs> okay. We often do apartments as well. So right now we're at an apartment in, in London. An Airbnb apartment. Usually mm-hmm. if we're staying for over a week, we like to set ourselves up in an apartment for more space. But um, with the blog, yes, we do have people that approach us and ask us um, if we would be interested in reviewing their services. So um, a lot of the time we will head to, it, it could be a country, it could be a hotel, it could be a tour. We'll go on the tour and we'll write honestly about it, what we think. Um, we like seeing the like, we like different types of accommodation because you get a different feel for the country in different ways or the different or the particular region. Yeah, I, I can fully agree with that. I mean, a hotel is a hotel, which in and by itself is can be really uh, uh, nice and luxurious. Typically, five star hotels. I've always felt that Airbnbs give you more of a feel of the location of, and, yeah. and the people actually around there. Yeah, you get into a a suburb where the people are. Like the one we're in at the moment, um, on the 5th of November was Guy Fawkes Day and everybody had fireworks going off in their backyard. (laughs) Now, we would not have heard that if we had been staying in a a hotel in London. And as much as the hotels in London are absolutely amazing, we love them. Mm -hmm. It was just an experience. We just sat there the whole night going, why are there fireworks right before? Like, this is amazing, especially for us because Australia- fireworks are illegal in Australia. So we were just like, wow. This is amazing. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and Josh, you mentioned you need the internet and a laptop to, to work. Um, what, what is it that you do? And, and where do you guys, or Aaron, I don't know if you're working as well, where do you guys pay this all from? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I've been running a web design business for uh, quite some time, about eight years. Mm-hmm. I've been web design all, all together for about 15 years. And um, mm-hmm. I've got other people working for me who've uh, been able to uh, help take care of the day-to-day side of the business. So um, as we travel, uh, I've trained them up and, and they can sort of be a mini-me. Um, that's, that's really helped. So that way I can spend more time with the family and traveling. And, uh, and then eventually after uh, about a year and a half, I managed to go from working about 40 to 60 hours a week down to about four hours a week. So I guess you could call it the four-hour work week. <laughs> four-hour work family. Yeah. Uh, and, and Aaron, is that you, are you uh, business-wise engaged? I um, used to run, uh, run Josh's accounts and the marketing side of his business. Mm-hmm. So once um, I'm really into social media marketing and once Josh had made a website for someone, I would help them out with setting up a Facebook and a Twitter, etc. Mm. Um, I kind of stopped that role when we started traveling and started my website using my own knowledge. And now, um, yeah, the the blog is a business now so i have um a lot of opportunities coming through there that i'm working with and takes up a lot more than four hours a week that's for sure (laughs) we definitely do it because we love it not because it's uh, a fantastic business model in terms of no work and lots of money but um it's it's experiences that come from it and the places we get to go and the the people we get to see and meet that uh, that make it all well yeah 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 and that website erin what is that this this is about the, uh, the 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 travel experience right Yes, travelwithbender.com, that's the one. Travel with with bender.com. Ben. Yeah. And your your Twitter handle is a, is a bit uh, is 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 a bit different. Yeah, well, Twitter decided that they they could only do so many characters, so right. I missed one letter. So it's travel wit bender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
We dropped the H. We became slang. I, I mistyped that a couple of times. <laughs> All right. And, and you have kids that are traveling with you, four and five, you said? Yes, that's right. So how, how do you do this with education? It's a common question we get asked. Yeah. And um, we do some online uh, courses, mm-hmm. uh, particularly for my daughter, who's five. And uh, she just loves it. She just needs, a, again, a laptop and the internet. And it doesn't matter where we are. She can uh, learn a bit more different kinds of uh, studies like maths, uh, spelling, grammar. Mm-hmm. And, um, but they also learn an immense amount just from our sort of everyday experiences. So we go to a lot of museums. Um, they learn a lot about history and culture. Geography, geography food. maths, social interaction. Yeah, so that, um, when Mia was four, she'd already learned to count ten in four different languages. <laughs> when I was a kid at her age, I had to learn about uh, all these kinds of things in a uh, encyclopedia or in a book or something. Then they get to go yeah, out and she, see it. You know, we went to, I mean, the first time my kids watched Sound of Music was in Salzburg in Austria, the day before we went on the Sound of Music tour to see all the locations. Yeah. Um, they learn about World War Two because we went to Anne Frank's museum in um, in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam, yeah. You know, so they're learning things and they're retaining it better than they would have in a school environment. Yeah. Now, this, this this sounds all fantastic, and this is, of course, an, an an experience they they will never lose. They can't take that away from from the kids and from you guys, of course, as well. Are 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 people back home or when you travel frowning upon what you're doing? I think Josh and I are both pretty lucky. We both have pioneering parents. Josh's parents are actually from the United States and Israel. Mm -hmm. My parents are Dutch and British, and both of them made the choice to move to Australia. Mm -hmm. So we're both quite lucky to already have parents that were um, culturally involved somewhere else before becoming Australians. And as much as they miss us and our grandkids, grandkids, Mm -hmm. we've never had a problem with them saying, you know, other than please come back, we want to see them. There's never been a problem with actually us going. Yeah. Um, just that people miss us. No one's actually ever frowned upon it at all. No, is it, it's more I, jealousy, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's certainly outside the box in terms of uh, in Australia, in terms of you know the, the normal Australian dream. Same in America. Same in most other countries. It's it's not a very common thing to do. So I guess for some people, it's, if they find it a little bit personally challenging when we tell them what we do. Because it kind of uh, challenges some of their beliefs on, you know, this is how you should work and this is how you should live. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, that, that's expected. But fortunately, we've been pretty um, pretty lucky that most people respond to us quite positively. And we've had a lot of my, – my parents are, um, like we said, they're well-traveled um, in the early days anyway. And they've met us quite a few times across the world. We met them in September in Italy and we did a road trip for a month with them. So, uh, yeah, we're pretty, pretty lucky about that. And then there's the internet, of course, as well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Skype yeah. calls every week. Now I've I've heard this from um, several like uh, you can't be called expats I guess you're you're nomads. <laughs> Typically, expats have this this tendency when they have children to um, say, "Okay, we're either going to stay here when our kids are a certain age, or we're going to return home." Has that crossed your mind? So they, in other words, do you want your kids to be raised in, in an Australian environment, or do you have something else in mind? Uh, at this stage. The travels are still pretty open-ended. Um, as we travel, we definitely do look for another home base. Yeah. Um, so we both agreed that, you know, we love Australia. It's fantastic. But uh-huh. It's wonderful. Um, but in terms of travel, it's very, very remote. So it makes uh, life a lot harder. So we're looking for um, uh, another city or a couple of cities even uh, to set up home bases. And so we can sort of eventually travel out of that. Um, but as of yet, we haven't uh, put down roots anywhere in particular. Okay. It's a sore point because Josh actually, Josh's family lives in Europe and my family lives in Australia. So we, we are always constantly in discussions on where we're going to be, basically who we want to be close to in the end and um, mm. and where our family fits into this world we've yet to discover. <laughs> M- Middle East? Um, yes. Jo- yeah. Well, 
when, when, when I say Josh's family's in Europe, they're actually in the Middle East. So oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it depends which airline you're flying with, whether it's considered Europe or Asia. <laughs> this is it's an interesting one. Okay, um, it's um, uh, Aaron. What countries have you visited so far, more or less? Oh, I I couldn't answer that because I've I've visited fifty. The my four and five year old have visited forty five. Mm -hmm. Content wise, we spent the first seven months in South um, East Asia. Yeah. Also done the US, Central America, Middle East, and this year we've spent um, in in Europe yeah. the whole year in Europe. So, and is there any particular country that you would find most difficult to uh, use it content-wise have stayed in? I say Belgium because you're there, but um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I'm not Bel. I'm I'm a Dutchman in living in Belgium, and you can't offend the Dutch. So they're they're so, such thick-skulled. <clears throat> Uh, that's a good question. Hard as in, I don't know, just getting getting. I the thing is, I think the United States is um, is a country that is that easily, very easily assimilates uh, uh, people from other cultures. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to get around. Is everything is is smooth in a way, as long as you got some cash and stuff. <laughs> um, some countries are are harder, I guess, to get used to if you stay there somewhat longer. Yeah, yeah. I'd say the ones for us that were the hardest is where there was a challenge with the language barrier. Mm -hmm. Where was that, uh, Charles? In Central America, like uh, Mexico. Guatemala. Guatemala was probably the one that's That was the out. hardest for me. But we were also there for six weeks, and it was a long, one of the longest periods we've spent. I think Once four weeks I could have been all right there, but the fifth and sixth week I was a bit like, we, I need to get out. <laughs> we, had, we had some challenges because uh, my son got sick, and so he needed to go to the pharmacy to buy medicine, and... Uh, things like the, the uh, pharmacist there didn't speak any English. So yeah. um, when it comes to the medical terms, the Google Translate doesn't always work so well. So we ended up having to do charades and hand gestures to try to describe, mm -hmm. you know, what we were looking for. So that, And then there was, like, their public, they had next to none public transport. Like, yeah. we ended up hiring a scooter, which wasn't the safest option. But <laughs> no, not in Guatemala. No. Because it's all cobblestone little streets and yeah. it so was... Yeah. Yeah. By it's, you know, by comparison to other kind of challenges, it seems kind of small, but um, I guess that, that's kind of about it. Maybe China. We're only in China at, the, at this point for one day on a stopover, and that was just getting from the airport to the hotel was uh, a bit of rigmarole, trying to um, <laughs> communicate with a taxi driver who couldn't speak any English. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, we spoke no, no word, or made one word of, um, of, of Mandarin at the time. So it's, uh, it's basically the language barriers where there's such a big cultural difference, such a big language barrier. That uh, that is, it seems like I don't know how we get to communicate, and that's the kinds of that's when you get the most frustrated. Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely yeah. The frustrating. Yeah. And and what would be the easiest country so far on your list to and the content wise where you stayed longer? Oh, Malaysia was pretty easy for us. Yeah, we loved Penang. We stayed in Penang for two months. Um, there was lots to do there, and it's a beautiful island. And um, it's Malaysia is Western enough to feel like you're in like the US or Australia, but it's also um, a little bit backwards enough that you can get the cheapest street food and mm. you can go see a movie for like a couple of dollars and it's really great location. Yeah. Um, the other places we stayed long were... Well, the US obviously was easy. Yeah. yeah. Is that, and, and easy then, Josh, is, is language-wise again? Oh, language, culture. UK, for example, is very... Um, we're very familiar with it because that's where obviously Australia comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so a lot of the way people think, the way they talk, the jargon they use. You just feel like you, as soon as you walk in, like you belong. Like it's, right. 
And but that's the reason we travel because we don't want to. We, we enjoy that feeling when we do get here, but it's the reason we travel is so we don't get that feeling all the time. We want to be out of our comfort zone that's and right. we want to go to a place where we yeah. don't belong because that's where the experiences and the um, the memories happen. And that's also where we not only learn more about the culture, but we learn more about ourselves in a way. Yes. What what is in in terms of culture and uh, so keeping language aside? What is the cultural thing that you've learned so far, or uh, or, or stories or something like that? Gosh, um, I've learned some sen- sen- sort of simple, sensible things, which is just to smile at people, <laughs> being kind. And, but I think it's smile the, is such a universal. Yeah, thing. it's just yeah. Being, we find that we show kindness to other people, regardless of the language. Um, you know, we help them out if you know we're on the bus and we see someone who needs help, we help them off. And that's just the way I've been brought up and, and the way I, I see the world. And I think people respond really well to that. Um, we found that when we love other people um, and show show that you know we actually generally care about them, respect them. Even if we don't get anything in return, then um, then they they do the same thing back. So, mm. and that's even if we can't even say a word uh, and communicate that way, we um, we find that people across the board have been really kind and positive to us as well. That's the, yeah, the biggest cultural thing we found is that um, people are generally lovely. Like mm. you can go yeah. anywhere and just be made to feel at home by the people in that country. Definitely. I think if you kind of look at um, mainstream news and media, you see other countries. It sounds scary. There's bad things going on. Mm. There's people and all sorts of stuff. But on the ground, uh, everyone is really nice in a, in a way. We found very, very few uh, you know, rude people, very, very few um, nasty people. It's just really that there's that common thread that we go, all right, we're all part of the human family. We're, mm-hmm. all, we're all kind of on the same page in that way. And even if we dress differently or we eat different food or you know, or worship different, a different, different God. religion, yeah. stuff like that, then there's still a way that we can connect and we can relate. So it, it feels really like... Um, I don't know what's a word. It's reassuring in a way. The, one of the biggest ones was like we spent two months in Israel and that was a place I said I would never go, especially with children. I was like, no way. It's because so- of the danger then, Erin. Yeah, it's yeah. a war zone. We're never going there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Josh's parents were there. So we went over for two months. Josh managed to convince me. <laughs> and um, they just lived life like there's nothing happening. And it was just so interesting to see that there was – this is something they've always had to deal with. If a siren goes off, they go to a bomb shelter. But other than that, they're walking the streets, they're buying clothes, they're going to the movies. It's just life as they know it. Did yeah. that happen, actually, any of the uh, the air raid alarms going off? Not while we were there. No, but it was very... We've heard stories of our family um, and friends. Josh's mother has that. to go. Yeah. yeah. I think just recently, other friends of ours were in uh, Jerusalem when um, like a few weeks ago when uh, uh, sirens went off, so they had to find the closest shelter but uh, yeah i guess it's one of those things that when you live there for a while it's not enjoyable but they kind of get familiar with it and it's, it's those kinds of sort of strange quirks that uh, we sort of pick up on because for us it it's very obvious for someone there it's it's not pleasant but um but they just think okay you know this is just a normal drill they kind of go through it and it's part of everyday life and we love when we get to make like people's suggestions wrong. Like we were told never to go to Mexico because people were going to cut the rings off my fingers and, um, you know, you can't leave your resort. That's the only place you can stay. And so and we spent a month in Mexico and absolutely adored it and yeah. just did not see any of that. I guess being a family puts us kind of in a category where we're not targeted anyway. You know, we're not solo people traveling around by ourselves or a backpacker that's looking for drugs or whatever. So we kind of already are in a safer zone. But, um, yeah, we just really love going to areas and going, hey, this is completely different to what yep. everybody told us it was going to be like. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes. Is there well, any any country that, you, uh, that you're 
uh, haven't visited yet and you're not looking forward to going either? Like uh, reluctance that you had, Aaron, towards uh, Israel? Um, not, yes, definitely. Not, not <laughs> I think our only biggest reluctance I can think of is China because we had a very, very small taste of it. Yeah. And we, obviously we talked to a lot of other travelers and uh, the cultural uh, barrier and the language barrier is something that's even for really experienced travelers, something very difficult to overcome in, in China. Although there's so many beautiful things to see, yeah. uh, so much amazing culture and food and history to see. Um, Josh is much more forgiving than I. He, I'm <laughs> like not so keen to go to India here. It's busy and so many people and quite like obviously a bit of a, um, a poorer nation. You haven't been there yet. No, uh-huh. and Josh is dying to get there, but I managed to keep putting him off. Like, <laughs> He's going to convince you, I think, anyways. Yeah, yeah so. I think actually at, at WTM, uh, at the conference, just the few, last, last few days, I've been chatting to representatives from different parts of India and Bangladesh, and mm-hmm. so I think there's a very good chance we'll be there in the not-too-distant future. <laughs> okay. I'm going to Sri Lanka next week um, by myself, so that won't be my, I mean, that's close enough, that'll be my kind of taster. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's that. The Sri Lanka is a good tr- uh, uh, tryout for India. It's like it's like a like a, like a tiny tiny um, uh, a copy of India, I guess, to some extent. Yeah, that's why Josh told me to go so I can yeah. fall in love with it, and then you'd be like, right, now let's do India. Yeah, that'll be her baptism of fire, one of the two. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you actually feel that you get a relatively deep experience being in one country for such short periods of time? Well, we kind of have gotten the hang of how to pick up on a culture and a feel of a place mm-hmm. relatively quickly um even just a city we, we've been to some cities for one night or two nights and already we it's, we it's everything all the small details it's the body language of the people as they walk around it's the way they relate to us it's the just by looking at what's on sale in the street food around it's uh how, how do you do that josh how do you get to know a culture in like one or two days it's, it's i don't know how to describe it it just comes down to experience as we've been to so many different cultures mm-hmm. uh, and different countries it The, the differences stand out to us. So we've got obviously a benchmark like Australia to, to start from, but the more we go, we say we can see the people. We see how they relate to each other, how they talk to you. Even if there's a language difference, there's still um, there's still some certain tensions. I'll just pick on um, Belgium, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I, I don't do my research well enough. I don't, don't do enough, enough background reading, and, uh, and I should really know the history of a place a lot more. But uh, as soon as we got to Belgium, we could – and we're coming from the Netherlands, mm-hmm. you can feel already there was a certain amount of tension in Brussels and I could see there's something about it that was you know, vastly different to Holland, even though it's a relatively short distance. Yep. I didn't quite put my finger on it. And then as I got talking to the locals, I got to understand more about the differences between the side that speaks French and the side that speaks Dutch and, and how there's a different areas like that and there's uh, a lot of uh, discontent, a lot of tension politically. Yep. And already I could feel that, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it um, when I was there. And uh, and so it was that kind of thing that um, that we notice, and, and then as we sort of dig a little bit deeper, we find out the why behind it. Yeah. But honestly, you can't really get it in two days. Like I don't feel like we get a piece of it. You get, a sli- you get a taste. We really do prefer to dig down for at least you know a month. We no. just spent a month in Croatia because it was such a fascinating place with so much history. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we do prefer to spend um, at least three weeks in one country. Yeah, right. that's definitely. The longer we get there, the better, the more immersed we get, the more locals we get to know. And in general, we try to hang out where the locals hang out. We try to do what they do. And that's the best way of, uh, of getting right into a culture. Okay, I can imagine. You both are, uh, all four of you are in uh, in London right now in the, in the United Kingdom. Yep. Is there any difference between the UK and Australian culture that you can describe? 
Oh yeah, yeah, I'd say so. But, a lot, yeah. <laughs> but it, se- it seems, like you said earlier, I mean, it seems really easy, like a warm bath. You step into, you belong at home. So, but there are also differences. What, what would they be? They oh. dress nicer here. <laughs> they don't wear flip Josh got, Josh got forced to have a haircut because he was like, "Oh, they're all a bit nice here." <laughs> right. I remember when I went to the. Um, I, I lived in London for a year back in my twenties, and I remember going to the video store. It was a beautiful sunny day, and I went actually barefoot. And um, I met a friend there and she was like, her mouth dropped open and she was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what? And she's like, where are your shoes? And I'm like, what? It's a beautiful day. It's like a little walk from my house. I just decided to come down without shoes. And that apparently was a massive no-no. Whereas in Australia, a lot of people don't wear shoes. <laughs> There's also some subtle words as well. I remember Erin telling me a story about her being on, uh, on the tube on the train here. And she was talking about her flip-flops, her um, footwear. And she said, we call them thongs. We call them thongs in Australia. Yeah. And uh, she said, I couldn't put my thongs on because my pants didn't fit me. And thongs mean uh, like a G-string here in yep. the UK and pants mean underwear. And But in Australia, it means, you know, it's a totally different thing. And so the whole train was just staring at her like, what is Why she, is talking, she talking about? Why is she talking about G-strings and underpants on the train for? <laughs> and that's kind of a bit of a you know sensitive thing for a Brit. So, um, yeah, there's little things like that. But there's obviously... Uh, Things that we used to like supermarkets that has stocks all the food, even simple things like we can actually read the labels on the food. That's yeah. always a, a nice. Hand yeah, because so many times I've bought sour cream when I wanted cream. It's really yeah. <laughs> that, that has happened to me as well, indeed. Yeah. All right. Um, from a uh, from a cultural perspective, what have you learned so far? And is there stuff on your list that you still want to learn? Not countries you want to visit, but stuff you want to learn. Good question. Oh, well, as far as uh, cultures, languages are always uh, uh, definitely something I want to learn. Um, I haven't really had the time to be in one spot long enough to learn things like Spanish. I kind of pick up a few words, mainly for my daughter, because mm-hmm. she watches Dora the Explorer. <laughs> yeah, that helps. <laughs> That's my Spanish teacher. Um, but uh, I'll say in terms of cultural, I can't, I can't really put it down. Um, I love food and all sorts of different foods. So. Uh-huh. Um, that's definitely one part of it. We love to try different food, or at least I do. And then Aaron sees if I don't die, then she'll try it too. <laughs> <laughs> you're more you're more careful, Aaron, aren't you? Yeah. Um, I'm just a bit picky with my food. <laughs> okay. I'm a little less. I, I can be more adventurous. Like I'm happy to swing my legs off the cliffs in the Grand Canyon and all that sort of stuff, which Josh is like, get away from the edge. Yeah. When it comes from food, if it doesn't taste good, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have your kids ever said like, mom, I want to go home? Um, yes. Yeah, or okay. have they lost home? No. Well, no, no not my before. daughter... My son was, I think, too little to even worry about it. He was mm. two when we left. So for him, it wasn't a big deal. But my daughter was three and um, she had established already friendships. Mm-hmm. And she often says, I would like to go back to Australia. She doesn't call it home. She just says she wants to go back to Australia. And when I ask her why, it's because she wants to see her friends mm. and see her Omer and her GD and all that sort of stuff. We are having a family reunion in Bali in January. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got friends coming over and all my family are coming. And um, to her, that's good enough. It's not about Australia or, or yeah. home. It's just the people, the people she misses. Yeah. So sometimes, uh, like when her birthday's coming up in a little while and uh, she asks, you know, yeah, who do you want to have at your party? And so she's picking names of all her friends from all over the world, people from uh, Guatemala, from Bali, from Europe. And and uh, for her, it doesn't seem like a big challenge. Like, why, just why can't they come to my party and wherever I am? So uh, to her, the world is so much smaller. And I think that that's the beautiful thing about learn- seeing different cultures is that as um, the kids especially, but as they realize that you know, in some ways we're different, but in so many ways we're the same, the world does feel a lot smaller. It feels a lot closer. It feels a lot more inviting. Um, it doesn't feel scary in a way. So 
So, uh, We've taught our kids that home is wherever we are all together. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so that's home for them. And then the rest is just missing the people. So yeah. we try to get back over there for a visit at least once a year. And um, she seems pretty content so far, so far. <laughs> but we're always asking them. It's very important for us what our kids are thinking. And sure. as they're getting older and developing more of their own thoughts, um, Mia has certainly been a lot more vocal and um, we really try to understand what they want to do in the whole scheme of things as well and yeah. constantly reevaluate where we're going. They're kind of a good age at the moment because they do a lot of what we tell them most of the time. As, <laughs> as I, I'm expecting as they get older, they're going to say, look, I want to go here and I want to see this and I want to do that. So. Yeah, we're not looking forward to teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Is there? Do you see a horizon uh, to your travels? I don't know. I, I we see we us slowing down to our travels. Yeah. We definitely want to... Um, while we were in Croatia, we stayed there for a month and we did two trips, one down to Dubrovnik and one out to an island. Mm-hmm. And it was so nice to just take a little a little bag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we would really like to have more of a base. We'd still have to travel, but maybe have a base somewhere so we don't have to take this giant suitcase with us all the time. Yeah, nomadic travel it does certainly have its ups and downs. And the biggest challenge is uh, living out of a couple big suitcases. So if we didn't have so many big suitcases, um, you know, it's those sort of uh, it's shorter trips which become a lot easier. Uh, um, so that's definitely. Uh, and I miss shoes. I have like one pair of shoes. It'd be great to have more <laughs> shoes. And then you forget to wear them as well. <laughs> yeah, it probably would happen. <laughs> I don't really have that problem because I've got size 15 feet because I'm quite tall. So mm. just got one pair of shoes and they last me forever. Erin, <laughs> okay. I think it's you maintaining um, uh, your family's website, right? Yes. Yes. Like, Josh is the photographer. <laughs> okay, that, that look, that's a very professional website. Why is that so professional? Is and is, isn't Facebook enough to keep your family up to date with your or friends and family up to date with uh, with your travels? Well, this is what happened. I did start the blog so I wouldn't have to repeat the stories to my mom and my dad and my brothers and my sisters and my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And about six months in, I was in Malaysia watching a Chinese street festival. Yeah, and I hear this bender, and I turn around, and this little Asian lady ran up to me, and she goes. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe you're here. I've been reading your blog since you're in Hong Kong and now you're here in Malaysia. <laughs> and that was my defining moment. That was when I went, I have strangers reading my blog. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so I changed it around. I stopped it being so much more. It was became less of a story about, hey, I did this today with my kids and I went here today with my kids. And mm-hmm. it became more of a, a factual, like, this is how much this costs and this is why we love Penang and this is what you can do in Penang. And yeah, more of a- And, um, yeah, it really took off. Of course, Josh, my husband's a web designer, so that's why it looks absolutely amazing. He's schmick and sets it all up wonderfully. (laughs) And um, this year, Josh developed a really keen interest in photography. It's something he always had a passion for but Mm -hmm. never had the time to pursue. And now it looks even better because we have these amazing photographs to go with everything. And and, and you have, like, uh, almost 22,000 followers on Twitter? Yeah. yeah, it's really taken off. We absolutely love it. I guess people find the fact that you can travel with children quite fascinating. You know, in 2007, Josh and I did our last hurrah. We went on a six-week trip before having kids because we were like, we've got to do it now. We're never going to travel again. Yeah, exactly. And um, and now we do it. And it's really inspi- we get a lot of people who feel really inspired that a lot of couples who go, what? I don't have to finish after I, you know, mm-hmm. after I have kids. And we're like, no, it's actually, for us, it's actually been more fun taking the kids traveling than when we did it as a couple. Because yeah. they see the world so differently and they're so much more amazed at everything. Um, such childlike innocence that we get to feel that same excitement as they do. It's just lovely. 
It sounds it sounds um, uh, very captivating uh, and 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 engaging. The, all the stuff that you have been doing, and it's it's really worth uh, looking at the website, which is uh, travelwithbender.com. Um, guys, can you give us the audience like three tips to become more culturally competent? Yeah, for sure. I would say one tip is. Uh Just learn a handful of words. Okay. I've, I've got an app on my phone which uh, translates a lot of words. So things like please, thank you, hello, goodbye. Uh, I think most uh, areas, most regions, when you say just a few words in their local language, they find that a sign of respect that you look. At least you're trying. You might not be fluent, but okay, mm -hmm. give them that a shot. And uh, and so that, that's a sort of a starting point. Yeah, I know how to say like I love you very much in Italian, <laughs> and um, so I say that to everybody I meet, and it's a great starting point. Like they laugh at me, and they're like, "Oh, thank you," but I'm like, yeah. "Look, it's the only Italian I know, but that's what I wanted to learn." <laughs> okay. <laughs> What would be number two? Um, I'd say definitely trying food because each region has different food, even within the same country. Uh, and that's the, mm. the quickest route to uh, get to the bottom of, of a culture. So whatever they eat, that literally is what they become. Yeah. Um, so when I was in Finland, for example, fish was everywhere. And so we tried, I tried all sorts of different kinds of fish. And, New, uh, New, Orleans, New Orleans, like all wow. that, that southern comfort food. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing stuff we'd never tried before. You think it's the US, but we've never had like – po'boys and gumbo mm -hmm. and jimalaya how do you, how do you pick the local food is, isn't that is is that easy you find it easy or, or hard to do i mean if you've been in a big city the local food is not mcdonald's and and might not be the restaurant as well because they might have an international menu well yeah. street food is definitely i would say the way to go like uh -huh. even like enjoying belgium you just you see the waffle trucks everywhere you know so and asia is um notorious for its street food you can get anything on the street um fried bananas and or fried crickets or <laughs> exactly <laughs> guatemala was exactly the same they have street food so we highly recommend street food as a starting point for places like new orleans where you're going to be looking more at a restaurant type experience it's research it's basically actually looking something up and we have a great post on um the 10 best places to eat in new orleans where you'll get a, a cultural experience yeah so we definitely go for food number three yeah. um i'll say we try to hang out with locals as well we don't just hang out with other expats or other travelers or other uh, folks who are similar to us um so we get our kids around other local kids to play with even if they can't speak the language and a great place to do that is on playgrounds because uh, our kids absolutely absolutely adore playgrounds so we get them on there they get to meet other kids their age we get to bump into other adults and and you know around a playground it's always a, a very non-threatening way of uh, of starting a conversation assuming we can speak the same language we've also managed to get them into um daycares in a number of different places we've been to they've been to daycares in bali thailand malaysia guatemala croatia yeah. and that's where they learn uh, the language they learn to play with kids that um don't speak their language and um like i never forget the experience they had in Bali we were just driving around and we found this tiny daycare mm -hmm. and we we went in there and approached them about it um luckily one of them spoke enough English to understand us um it was $30 for the month for the two children yeah. and um the, the daycare had nothing like every time we arrived the kids were making cardboard houses and it was the happiest I'd seen them like and we really really appreciated that daycare i remember josh and i were like we went to the supermarket and bought them a whole bunch of pencils and coloring books and mm. um my kids learned something from them and then they also got a little bit of something from our kids mm. so we absolutely adore that for our children that's that's the way they find cultural immersion in a city 
Sounds sounds really good. Um, learn a handful of local words. Try the local food and hang out with the locals. And I like the playground idea as well. Never thought about that. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. Okay. Um, if people want to get in touch with either one of you or both of you, what is the best way for them to do that? Oh, we are everywhere. You can find us, um, Travel with Bender, on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, stumbled upon like we are everywhere you'll not have trouble finding us but the, the number one site is travelwithbender.com and we have a contact form on our site i respond to every email i get so people are more than welcome to email me and ask questions we're happy to chat and next you know it they'll be in your streets you know and you'll bump into them in real in, in real life yes we out. love doing that and we do actually have a lot of facebook forums which promote traveling with families uh-huh. and basically everywhere we go we put up there this is where we're going to be who wants to meet up Yep. And we've met a lot of our readers that way, and we really enjoy it. Excellent. Sounds wonderful. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to um, uh, be a guest on the Culture Matters podcast. The uh, The show notes can be found at uh, culturematters.com. Just uh, do a search for Travel with Bender or Bender or Josh or Aaron, and you'll find um, you'll find the post for sure. Enjoy your um, your road trip today uh, in uh, any particular... Are you going to Wales, you said, right? We're going straight to Wales today. Yeah. We've never been. We're excited. Okay. Yeah. Speak the local language. It's a different language there, I think. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll try and learn some of those Welsh words. <laughs> All right. You take good care and thanks again. Thanks, thanks Chris. Chris. Bye bye. Thanks again, Josh and Aaron, for doing the interview. We've come to the end of episode number 20 of the Culture Matters podcast. If you like what I do with this podcast, i uh, really appreciate it if you would take the time, it's about two or three minutes more of your time, to give me a rating in, uh, in iTunes, and that helps for the visibility of this podcast so more people can get to listen to this. Thanks very much. I'll be back in two weeks' time with another guest on the Culture Matters podcast. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Thank you.